Well, there was a pastor, and, and he, uh, he told a guy, you need to join the army of the Lord. You need to join the army of the Lord. And, he re and the gentleman replied back to the pastor. He said, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. I'm already there. And the pastor said, well, how come you're never at church? I only see you at Christmas and, and Easter. And then he whispered back. He said, I'm in the secret service. I'm in the secret service. Our friend Mike here is not in the secret service. Are you? Are you in the secret service uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ where you are uh, holding this information, this vital information, where you're called to be an ambassador, whether in person or on your knees? Are you in the secret service? Are you nervous that you're going to rock the boat? You're going to upset the apple cart. You're, you want to be politically correct these days. You want to make sure that, that your friends and family don't think you're some quack. So you hold this vital information inside you. Maybe not even go into the Lord in prayer about people or about individuals. You're such a secret service person, and, and I'm talking to myself, friends, that there are times where you are not even praying for those that you know that are lost. I remember the song, This Little Light of Mine. You guys know that song, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. What is it? Uh, hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Are we hiding the light of Jesus? Are we keeping it from proclaiming it out loud to those that are around us? Are we scared to be belittled? It's really an interesting time in, in the United States because of the political correctness or, or the um, bashing that you might have, especially if you post something on social media. Maybe not necessarily if you say something uh, directly to somebody, but if you, if you do anything that's out there, you're putting, um, you're, you're making yourself extremely vulnerable. You know what? I don't even know why I'm saying this. First, more important than are you a light, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Because you can't be a light if you're, if you're not reflecting Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I know most of you individually. I know about your lives. But you know what? I don't know. I, I, I can't know. 
I, I could tell by some of your fruits. But I don't know for sure where you stand with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, he lived a perfect life, absolutely perfect life. He died on a cross, completely innocent because of my sins. And I'm one of the worst sinners here in this church. We would spend a week if I went moment to moment to moment telling you every sin that I could ever remember in my life. And we probably wouldn't even have gotten started in this church. Jesus Christ, that's why he died. He died for Mike. And he died for Reggie. And he died for me. Jesus Christ died after living a perfect life. And then he conquered death and came back to life. That's called the resurrection. That's Easter where that one secret service guy comes. And then he ascended into heaven. That's pretty awesome. But you know what? Unless you, you, you fully trust in that, unless you fully bow and humble yourself before Jesus Christ, then you can't be a light. This Tuesday marks the three-year anniversary that my dad died in the middle of the night. Two in the morning, my brother Dan called me. Remember it like it was yesterday. My brother always exaggerates. Jerry remembers that moment. I got out of bed, my phone was across the way. Walked over, picked up the phone, I'm like, Ah, he said dad's not doing well or something is going to the hospital. Well, by the time I got to Morris Hospital, my dad was already dead. That moment, myself, my family, fully understood the phrase, life is short. What are we doing? What are we worried about? What are we focused on? You know what? What we do is very important. What we say is very important. Uh, what we give is important. What we think is important. But none of that matters if we are not serving Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing matters unless you're serving Jesus Christ. All the other is just fluff. It's just extra stuff. And we have a good time in it, and all of a sudden we realize life is over. What are we doing to serve Jesus Christ? Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching a message to the synagogue. You, you, you heard about that last week in Acts 13. They're preaching to, to devout Jews and others that fear God, the Scripture says. They're preaching the good news. Did you reread those words? They're preaching the good news, the gospel. This is, they're, they're, they're explaining... The, the message in the Bible is not about rules and regulations. The message of the Bible is about a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Everything in Scripture is pointing that direction. 
Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching God's word. They're taking scripture and they're preaching it. And they're using Old Testament scripture in this point, and many of them would have been familiar with it. And they're teaching all about what Jesus did to fulfill the Old, Old Testament scripture. We're going to read this together. And, and, and if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask that question, and then I want you to say it to yourself, uh, answer it to yourself. Are you a believer, a follower in Jesus Christ? If you are, I, I, I believe I've pulled out four specific things that we can take from this scripture today that as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, as servants of his, uh, that we should be doing. Acts 13, 42 through 52. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's stand, and, and I'm going to read these verses. We're going back to 42. I think Jeremy ended at 45 last week. Uh, but we're going to go back to 42. Acts 13, 42 through 52. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them to the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them continue to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, bless this time. May you be honored. Amen. You may, be, may have a seat. We're going to go through these four. We're going to go through them pretty quick. The first thing that uh, I think we should do as followers in Jesus Christ is that we should encourage believers to continue in grace. To continue in grace. Scripture says that, that these people were, were walking out with Paul and Barnabas after they got done preaching, wanting to hear more. Very similar to how many of you guys do with me as I'm walking to my car. Please, Pastor, give me more. That was a joke. <laughs> these guys were hungry. For the word. They were hungry for the word. And, 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 and they wanted to hear what, what was being said. You see, many of them did know the Old Testament. 
They knew it well. Some of them kind of knew what the Old Testament was and, and the rules and regulations of there. They were God-fearing, so they were learning it pretty well. But they were excited to hear about Jesus Christ and this fulfillment. And this was a turning point in their, in their lives, maybe even truly giving their lives to the point of salvation. Either way, Paul and Barnabas, they urged them to continue in grace. Continue in the grace of God. Super wonderful words that we can learn here from Paul and Barnabas. Acts chapter 11. It says, and, and starting in verse 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. It was a different location than this Antioch. I believe that was in the north, and this is in the south that we're at in chapter 13. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch, verse 23 in Acts 11. When he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He exhorted them to continue in the grace of God. One author put it this way, the Christian life is not only about meeting the Lord and receiving eternal life. This life-giving relationship with the Lord is to be nurtured and developed day by day unto abundant life. Take up your cross daily. Die to him daily. Grace cannot be separated from Jesus Christ. They're one and the same. The grace of God is needed today, it's needed tomorrow, and it's needed forever. That's the beauty of the grace of God. We need to continue growing in Jesus Christ. We do that through prayer to God the Father, through reading his word, uh, through seeking the Holy Spirit uh, to guide us through this life. What, what does it say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word. God's word. So in your everyday life, just your everyday life, I'm not talking about if, if you're getting to come up here behind this pulpit. In our everyday life, we're to encourage other believers to continue in grace. And if they're not, we're to challenge them. We're to exhort them with great love, great patience. We're to spur one another on. We, we've talked about that, spurring one another on. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. John Piper said, The aim of our lives is not just loving and doing good deeds, but helping to stir up others to love and do good deeds. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Let's encourage one another. When one of us is down, let's lift them up together. If someone is struggling, let's confront them. Let's exhort one another in absolute love 
and grace to continue in the grace of God. Second thing, second thing as followers in Jesus Christ is that we should share the message of grace with confidence. Share with confidence. The message of, of, of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us is, is unbelievable and we need to share that. We saw in last week's sermon that Paul and Barnabas shared this message of grace. They, they, they shared it and, and it was actually in the Acts 13 where kind of the message that, that they were giving. And this week they're invited back for a second week, an opportunity to share and, and, and tons of people, especially the Gentiles and the friends of the Gentiles, attend this, this second Sabbath to hear the word spoken by Paul and Barnabas. And these Jews, they became jealous. You see, God the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, was the Jews' God. They were the chosen people. And so a pious Jew would say, no, 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 this isn't for the Gentiles. In fact, when I walk through Gentile countryside and I'm getting ready to go into my own countryside, I'm going to dust my shoes off because I don't want to bring any of that garbage into contaminate my area. See, they were, they were jealous. They were, they were focused in on who was there and not the message. They were focused in on, on the outward things as opposed to the inward spiritual factor of life change through Jesus Christ. So Paul and Barnabas, they shared the message of grace, the message of Jesus Christ and what he offered uh, for each of them. And as they shared the gospel, they started to get heckled, contradicted. I don't get heckled too many times here. <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we should start that practice. You, you could be the, the weekly heckler. Because we need to continue preaching the gospel in spite of of the heckling, in spite of the contradiction. Mike may see it. Mike may see it as he, as he goes into prisons, as he goes at uh, Northern Illinois University. I've told you the story of me sharing that Bible when I went to Northern, uh, my promise keeper's Bible to those skater die dudes, as I call them. And they mocked me for offering them a Bible that the Holy Spirit was urging me to give but what did the last kid in that aisle as he was walking by my car, sir, can I have that Bible? We, we, get, we follow the Holy Spirit in spite of the heckling, in spite of the contradicting that's going around us, in spite of our own fears. That's why we just continue to bow down and say, I am not worthy to share this message because it is so powerful. But this message of grace needs to be heard. If someone is in a, in, in a fire and I have the ability to help get them out of the house, I'm going to do everything I can to get them out. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, we get scared. We get worried that someone might think something of us. 
Or you know what? Someone may make fun of us. Our brother or our sister or our dad or our mom or the neighbor or maybe even your spouse. And instead, they just continued on. And I, I was trying to think, are all the words in Acts 13 in that second week, are they actually printed? Did Luke actually write down their message? I don't think he did. I, 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 this is totally me going outside my own thoughts here. As I read it multiple times, I'm like, I think there was more in this message. And I thought maybe, maybe they said, for God so loved the world, that, that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever, and maybe he said that again, I said, whosoever. And, and the Jews were like, what? Whosoever? That doesn't even make sense. Because that guy back there, that guy's dirty. He doesn't deserve, I wasn't meaning to point at you, Mark. He doesn't deserve Jesus Christ. He can't. He can't have this salvation you're talking about. He's a Gentile. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What? A message of grace to these types of people? That can't be. That's where the jealousy starts happening. Maybe he, maybe he went and said, um, Who, whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me. So on and so forth. From John 14 or John 12. Maybe that was the message he was preaching. And it was just really annoying these Jews. So maybe it wasn't just about them all being there the Gentiles, maybe it was about the message he was preaching was a powerful message of grace that people can come to Jesus and know Jesus and live for Jesus and be saved. And be saved. When they did share the message of grace, the Gentiles, what did they do? What does the scripture say they did? They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Rejoicing and glorifying the word. Are you rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord? Or are you thinking, even right now, even this minute, at 11.02, are you thinking about the Chicago Cubs today? <laughs> big game today, big game today. We need to get serious with our faith. I need to get serious with my faith. So serious that that is the only thing that matters in the end. That that's the thing that's keeping me awake. Am I sharing this message with the right people? Well, then we get a, then we get a verse that we could spend probably the rest of the year talking about, it says, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Heavy, heavy theology we could dig into there. And I'm not going to go into great detail. Josh probably wants me to. 
But the word appointed there is just as it reads, appointed. Or um, some, some versions say ordained is probably a better way of interpreting it. What I do know is that these people had their names written in the book of life that was mentioned in Revelation uh, 13 and 17, I think it is. The message of grace shared with people is powerful. When you share God's word, it will not return void. I could tell you story after story after story, and you may enjoy my entertaining and the laughter, but unless I am sharing God's word with you, nothing will change. The Holy Spirit could do whatever he wants, obviously. But God's word is what needs to be preached, needs to be shared, needs to be passed on, and we cannot fall from that. God's word is too crucial. When Paul and Barnabas shared this message of grace, many received it. But there was also many that rejected it. There's also many that ignored it. And you have to just understand that. There are many people that don't want to hear the message. Our great friend Pam told us a, a sad story about a friend, an acquaintance of hers down in Florida, and she, the lady said that she was excited about going to hell to be with her friends. There are people, oh, by the way, she died a week later. There are people who don't care. Our job, according to Jesus Christ, is to, to make disciples to make disciples. We go, we baptize, we share the message, we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's God's word with, with the support of the Holy Spirit teaching us that allow us to reflect Jesus Christ into other people's lives. That's a, this whole message is about grace, if you haven't got that yet. So, third thing, as followers of Jesus Christ, we, sh we should show grace to those that ignore the gospel. You might have caught the theme by now. You know what grace means to a believer in Jesus Christ? I am a sinner. Phil Chapman, I'm a sinner. I need a, a perfect person to take my place. Otherwise, I deserve hell. I don't deserve eternal life with Jesus Christ. I don't deserve uh, to be in glory. In fact, I can't. 
I can't look upon God Almighty if I have sin. And so, I have no way out. I'm stuck. But that's the beauty of Jesus Christ. He provided that sacrifice. And he said, I will take it all on myself. I will have God the Father turn his back on me. So he will never turn his back on you if you follow me. Jesus Christ, he paid it all. That's grace. And so when someone doesn't believe, when someone doesn't trust, or someone ignores you or, or complains to you, or someone isn't a believer, they don't want to hear it, they say they want to go to hell to be with their friends, have grace on them. Love them unconditionally in spite of all of that. We have a phenomenal example. We can't have a better example than in what Jesus Christ did to us. And the problem is, is as Christians, many times we put ourselves on a pedestal and we say, we are better than that. I will not be with him because he drinks. I will not be with that person because they smoke. I will not be with that person because they cussed. I hurt them. And we put ourselves on pedestals and we say we're not associating ourselves. We got a stat yesterday that three years after someone becomes a believer, three years they have zero non-Christian friends. In three-year three-year period. That's crazy stat. And it's because they start, you start associating just with people at church or people at your youth group or people at your small group or, or whatever. You get in those circles and you start not spending time with non-believers. Well, guess what? The message can't continue on. And we aren't put here to save fellow believers. We're here to exhort fellow believers and to encourage and spur on one, one another. But we are here to spread the gospel and train and develop disciples Make disciples. And so we have to spend time with non-Christians, with non-believers, people that don't trust in Jesus Christ. We have to intentionally do that. And some of us are weak in some areas, so we can't spend time with certain people because we will fall into that sin too. There's got to be some hedges put up, but it's got to be strategic. And other times, man, I am not going to follow that most likely, and I'm going to continue to be encouraged by this other person to keep me accountable, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to preach the gospel to them in a loving, guiding way. And if they don't want to hear it, I'm going to love them in spite of it. And I'm going to encourage them just as individuals. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? Let, let's, let's take out the we right now. Because this is individualized. I know Sherry and I, as husband and wife, we look at it. What are we doing with our kids? What are we doing as a family? Are we strategic about how we're putting our kids in, in place and places to minister to people? But let's get it to the individual. Jacob and Maddie and Reggie and Molly and Allie. Those are our five children. Are you, as individuals, serving Jesus Christ and encouraging somebody and showing grace to somebody when they don't trust in Jesus Christ? So then you just start asking yourself, Dan, are you? Josh, are you? Pam, are you? And, you, and you're literally naming yourself. 
and you, you start identifying, am I actually doing this? My dad died like that. Pastor Dave died like that. We have no idea when our time is going to be over. I don't know if my dad is a believer in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, we know Pastor Dave was. What are you doing in this life that's making a difference for the kingdom? That's truly making a difference in the kingdom? I, I think about that all the time. And we get so busy with life that we forget about eternity. And that's way more important than life. I've got to figure out where I'm at. Paul and Barnabas, they were ridiculed when they were preaching this, this message of grace, and they were showing grace to the people. They, 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 they didn't get, go back to Jerusalem and say, all right, we go after them and kill them or deal with them or whatever. They just said, okay, have at it. We've got believers here. We're gonna, we've established a pot of believers, and what did they do? They dusted their, their shoes off. What imagery to say, you know what, you pious Jews, you're religious people. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what, we are not going to take that with us. Instead, we're going to do one other thing. It's our last point. As followers in Jesus Christ, we should rejoice in the grace we have been given in Christ. No matter what happens in our life, no matter what is going on, no matter how hard it is, financially, emotionally, maybe physically, we can rejoice in Jesus Christ, in the grace that we have already been given. Again, this is only for believers. You see the top part? As followers in Jesus Christ. So if you're not a believer... This message is just for you to listen in on. These four things are for, for believers who trust in Jesus Christ. We are to rejoice in the grace we have been given in Christ. We have already been given grace. We have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks at me, he, he sees his son Jesus because Jesus is on the right hand advocating for me every second. I don't understand all of that. I don't know how he could do that for all of the believers, but it's amazing, and he does it, and that's the power of grace. Too many times we have pity parties for ourselves. We forget the awesomeness that we have in the grace that was given by the anointed one, by Jesus Christ. Verse 52 says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that before, how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not just a one-time thing. Ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. That happens multiple different times we see throughout the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit does dwell inside of you when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit is a, is a constant that's continuing in grace. That's what we're talking about, continuing in grace. 
If you've been rejected, mocked, pushed out of someone's home or city, could you say that you were filled with joy? If, if your sibling mocked you for being a Christian or, or what you were saying, would you walk out of there filled with joy? And I believe the joy, obviously, is coming from the filling of the Holy Spirit. It was like uh, Grant at his wedding, at Grant and Charisse. He had a permagrin. He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't get rid of the grin. I said, you got, the, you got a permagrin. He said, yeah, I do. <laughs> and and he, if, if some of you have seen the picture, my hand is on Grant as Charisse is walking down. And, and I was kind of like just loving on him because he's like, that's my bride coming down. <laughs> And he just couldn't get rid of it. He had a pure joy. And that joy is nothing compared to the joy we should feel uh, for Jesus Christ. For our Savior. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We get the privilege to tell everyone we know about this awesome, saving grace of our king. You know, Tom's got to be impressed because I thought of a second song in the midst of, uh, of writing my message. Old hymnal. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all. That's our message. That's our message, friends. God's grace is sufficient. We don't need to keep it to ourselves. You hold something that is beyond valuable. God has enough for everyone. Feel free to share it.